Hey everybody, welcome to Marvel Champions Monthly. We are a fan podcast about the card game Marvel Champions by Fantasy Flight Games. I'm Kennedy Hawk, one of your hosts. Today with me I've got Addercop. How's it going, Addercop? It's going good. Glad to be back. Glad to be here. Back recording? There we go. Back re-recording. We've also got Americano. How's it going? It is. It is going good. It's good to be back from the dead, feels like. Back from the break, yeah. So today, we are talking about the end of the Mad Titan Shadow campaign box for the second time. We actually recorded it at the end of the new year last year, but the audio file got so corrupted and gross that we completely switched recording softwares. So this is our first try on our new recording software. We'll see how it goes. If people don't like it, make sure to yell at us, and then maybe we'll change. Who knows? But for today, all about MTS. So we are talking about the last two scenarios of MTS, before that, we have our MCM matchup, so we actually announced this one on Discord because this episode was so late. So it's still going to be valid for a couple more weeks until we get to our next non-re-recorded episode. But the MTS challenge was from the MTS box. I think Americano on our last recording, you challenged us. Do you remember what the challenge was? No. <laughs> okay, I do. <laughs> it was Thanos... With oh now I'm not remembering it right as we say it. It's Thanos with under attack and the modular sets that comes with all the characters space pirates. in the box. No, we we oh. made jokes about it not being space pirates. I distinctly remember this. Oh yeah, jokes. Um, jokes. Th- Thanos with under attack and children of Thanos. Yep, that sounds right. It should be super exciting because you'll still have to use Infinity Gauntlet. And uh, under attack adds more weapons just to putz with your day. So enjoy fighting Mecha Thanos. Some other game news. We have a survey going out. The link to this survey is in the show notes here. You can probably find it on our Facebook and Discord as well. In February, the MCM team is going to be recording a awards style show all about the releases from 2021 and Marvel Champions. So we want to know your favorite new hero, your favorite new ally, your favorite new aspect card, all sorts of things like that. Check out that survey. Make sure to fill it out um, as much as you feel inclined. We will appreciate any responses we get to it. But hopefully by the end of this, we'll be able to tell everyone why Nebula is everyone's favorite new villain from 2021. And we'll probably ask the people on the crew who their favorite cards may have been. Not Hawkeye. All right. And today's sponsor, Americano, sent me the email. I will just read it right here. Today's MCM sponsor is Critical Encounters Podcast, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. On Critical Encounters Podcast, we take a good look at the most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. Okay, Americano, that's not a real sponsor. But either way, congrats to our friends at Critical Encounters Podcast. If you haven't listened to their 100th episode yet, it released this week. So you should go check it out. We will have a link in the show notes below. It is a long episode, but it's well worth listening to, especially if you have a slightly more villainous or maybe nemesis minion kind of side. All right. Let's get to the content, because I'm reading what we have from the old stuff, so I know what to splice in. So, first up, so last episode, we got through the first three villains. That was Ebony Maw, 
Tower Defense, and Thanos. That's right, Thanos is the third villain of the Mad Titan Shadow Box. Isn't that shocking to everyone in the Marvel Champions community? I'm sure it is. Insert gasp sound effect here. It was to me, but honestly. It, it, it was to you, so why don't you tell us about your experience and you can introduce the next villain. Cool, yeah. Um, so this box was, I successfully avoided spoilers for um, a while, which is a combination of a few factors, but I was able to stay away from them. And um, honestly, like I felt really rewarded when I got the box and I started thumbing through the cards because, you know, obviously you can't avoid spoilers when you're going to have to set the game up yourself. Um, so after I had reasoned that with myself, I flipped through the cards and I was super happy with what I saw, including the last uh, two villains. So like, I'm not a huge space Marvel fan. We've talked about that before. Um, but I am a really big uh, fan of Asgardian stuff. So seeing Hela and Loki um, in the box made me really happy, along with a few of the other cards that we're going to be talking about. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, it was, it was a, a very, very, very welcome uh, surprise. So we know we're going into Asgard. Do you want to give us an overview of Hela and her scenario? I do. Um, because I want to try to pronounce all of the words correctly. Um, or I guess to the best of my ability, because I think, you know, I think I'm pretty good at it. been reading Thor comics a long time. These aren't unfamiliar words to me. So, uh, let's see if the way that I pronounce it in my head is the correct way to pronounce it. Or if I just sound like an idiot. Either way, I think the listeners win. Okay, so, uh, Hela is, uh, another villain that has an A and a B. Um, she has an A1 and A2, a B1 and a B2. She flips back and forth rather than um, being... Hmm. I don't want to misspeak here. Let's just start with with Hela. <laughs> uh, Hela A1 has a one scheme, a one attack. Um, they both have an asterisk. That asterisk means uh, she gets plus one scheme, plus one attack, and plus two hit points per player for each side scheme in the victory display. Uh, the the bolded text below. Uh, when Hela is defeated, if Odin is not attached to the main scheme, you win the game. So, if you've saved Odin, that's how you beat her. But uh, if you knock out all of her, her hit points and you flip the card over, um, she on her A2 side, she has a zero scheme and a zero attack with no asterisk. The uh, the the As uh, Asgard and Wounded trait, so you know that you put her on the Wounded side. Uh, on this form, Hela cannot be defeated. Forced response, after a side scheme is defeated, flip Hela to her Mystic side. So the so side 1 is Mystic, side 2 is Wounded. Um, you beat up the Mystic side, flips to the Wounded side, and uh, you can only defeat her on the Mystic side if you've saved Odin, which we'll talk about in the uh, main scheme. Her B cards are very similar. Um, they're both basically plus one higher on both of her stats. Her B1 side is two scheme, two attack with the same asterisk ability. Um, the only difference is that she gets three HP per player. And then on her wounded side for B2, um, she has plus one scheme and plus one attack. Otherwise, they are exactly the same. So her stats are just ramped up uh, a little bit on the, uh, the, the B1 and B2. And B is for expert, right? Right. Uh, the main scheme is Odin's Torment. Um, huh. 
I'm just now noticing that the card doesn't have a 1A on it. Does not have a 1A, right? But it but it is 1A, I assure you. Um, uh, for the setup, you attach Odin to the main scheme, just like we talked about with uh, Hela's card. On his captive side, uh, you reveal Nipahelir and Garm, set Gjallarbrew, uh, Scourge, Hall of Nastrond, and Nitog aside, out of play. Shuffle the encounter deck. So you're taking out all these special um, uh, combos of places and uh, important people. Uh, on 1B, the, the threshold on it is 18 per player, so it's super high. Um, sort of. It feels super high. <laughs> um, forced interrupt. When Hela would be defeated, if Odin is attached to this scheme, discard each attachment from Hela and flip her to her wounded side instead. So that's where you get the direction uh, to flip Hela, like I mentioned before. Uh, if the scheme is completed, the players lose the game. It starts with one per player, and it goes up one per turn. Um, so we will wait on Odin's card. Um, but the the side schemes that were uh, set aside and their partners uh, in order. Um, the first one, you start with uh, Nipahilir, with Garm protecting it. So Nipahilir starts with two. It's got a hinder of one per player and a victory of two. Uh, when defeated, the first player reveals Gjallarbrew and Scourge and puts them into play. Deal one, deal each other player one face-down encounter card. So this mentions uh, when... Uh, oh. No, it doesn't mention it. <laughs> Uh, Nipahilir comes out with Garm, which is a, a giant dog. Um, Garm is a minion with one scheme and two attack, toughness, and victory two. Uh, he always engages the first player, and while he's out, threat cannot be removed from Nipahilir. Uh, he's also got four HP per person, per player. So, uh, it's a pretty big dog, um, but its stats aren't crazy. They don't really, like, scale with the players, so not a crazy first thing to encounter. And um, certainly not, you know, the worst. Um, after you've defeated Garm and cleared Nipahilir, you travel to uh, Gjallarbrew. Gjallarbrew starts with three, uh, hinder of one per player with victory three. Um, and along with uh, Gjallarbrew, uh, Scourge comes out. Scourge is another minion, another large minion with toughness, and uh, victory three. He also, uh, just like Garm, engages the first player. Um, and his attacks gain piercing. He's got one scheme, uh, three attack, and five HP per player. Um, just like Garm, threat cannot be removed from his associated uh, side scheme. And once those are all done, um, you travel to the Hall of Nastrond. Uh, Hall, of Na uh, Hall of Nastrond has uh, four to start, hinder one per player, victory four, and brings uh, Nidhogg with it, which is... Pretty pretty rough. <laughs> pretty rough. Uh, it's a minion with, again, one scheme. But this one has four attack, along with the toughness, victory four, and the rule where he engages the first player. Um, one of the rough things about him is that he gains overkill. So you can see that you know these guys kind of scale up, and this one makes it even harder to chump block it. Um, and it keeps the same rule. Uh, threat cannot be removed from its associated side scheme. And it's got six HP per player. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, it definitely scales up pretty quickly. Uh, let's see here. Um, then, uh, like it mentions on the side scheme, to remove all of her attachments, uh, Hela, of course, comes with attachments of her, her iconic um, 
sword, helmet, and uh, cloak. So uh, the sword, Night Sword, attaches to Hela. Um, Hela's attacks gain piercing, gives her plus one attack, and the boost effect attaches the sword, as we've been seeing with a lot of the uh, sort of... Uh, so, uh, yeah, so she's got Night Sword. Oh, I already explained Night Sword. Uh, all right, starting here. Uh, second, she's got uh, Hela's crown uh, attached to Hela, force response. After she schemes, give her a face down boost card. It gives her plus one scheme, and uh, the boost effect is to attach it. Um, finally, Hela's cloak. She gains stalwart, so she can't be stunned or confused. Um, this one doesn't give her any stat boost, thankfully. Um, and then the boost effect is also to attach it. Um, Hela so, also comes with. So, oh, no, go ahead. So, so before we get into the treacheries, so. Sure. Because we have those attachments now. We also have her side schemes, right? With those minions. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this there's a there's a I guess it might be helpful to kind of talk about the progression that this scenario takes because of those side sure, schemes, yeah. right? I mean, before we get into the tre- her treacheries, because right. those are those are icing on the cake, in my opinion. I think that the side schemes are what make this scenario like in my opinion, a top tier scenario. Like, are you, are you chef's kissing at your desk right now? I'm, I am chef's kissing. I am swooning over Hella's scenario. I think it's, I won't tell you, I'll wait till the end, but needless to say, <laughs> I very much enjoy this scenario. Okay. And, and yeah, it's yeah. all no, about right, the though. progression of the, the, of the side schemes with the, yeah. With the accompanying minion. Right, like Hella is is so you you know like you said with the with these starting cards that we just talked about, it shows that um, this is a progression. So this story starts um, starts at, at Nipahillir, and you move through the snowy mountains. You find the uh, bridge of Galarbrew, and you finally find the uh, Hall of Nastrond, and that leads to you finding um, the captive Odin. You know, we'll talk about I'll talk about Odin um, and his stats uh, afterwards. But um, this this scenario is so cool because you feel like you're you're on a quest. You know, yeah, I really like how it sort of progresses through a story. Like you were mentioning, all the side schemes and unique minions that can come out, and it sort of bounces back between them. You have to defeat a minion, then you can go through the location, and you defeat another minion, then you can go through the location. Um, it feels very Lord of the Rings like uh, from Lord of the Rings LCG. I was gonna, I was gonna say because I've played Lord of the Rings, but it's been years. Um, but I remember there were, they were very much locations, right? Yes. Um, and I don't know what they call. What do they call them in Lord of the Rings? Locations. Did they call? Okay, they're called locations. Because I know <laughs> that, and, and I've also played Arkham Horror more recently, and that one actually you move between different locations. You can like explore. So that's not what's mm-hmm. happening here. I see these as like checkpoints where like. You can't go. You cannot defeat her until you, until you travel all the way to the Hall of Nostradon, and and take. I think you have to. Do you have to defeat Nidhogg? You don't have to, right? But you kind of do because it's just a beast. Kind of do. Um, well, you can't remove threat from the Hall of Nostradon while Nidhogg is around. Okay. Yeah. So, so you, yeah. So either you need to take it out or. Or just hurry and rush her at that point. Uh, well, you can't because you have to free Odin. So you can't clear um, you you clear Hall of Nastrond to free Odin. 
So uh, Hall of Nastron reads, uh, the first player, uh, when, when defeated, because uh, all the other ones say when defeated, go to the next, basically leg of the journey. But with Hall of Nastron, uh, when defeated, the first player detaches Odin from the main scheme and takes control of him. Uh, each player, uh, deal each player one face down encounter card. So, yeah, you have to get rid of Nidhogg first and then uh, clear it. Yep, so you'll have to get rid of the three unique minions and the three side schemes, and then you can finally take her down. And those right. side schemes all have victory, right. so they're all popping up her stats on her mystic side. Right, and that's that's the other cool thing about this. This, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I almost did it again, but I'm really proud of myself, like as as a Lord of the Rings player, that I didn't call this a, um, call them side quests or call these the main quest. Um, and I almost did it again, but I didn't. So patting myself on the back currently. With side quests in Lord, in, uh, Lord of the Rings, do you have to complete them? Um, it depends. Uh, certain okay. some quests have side quests um, as part of the encounter deck, and like they'll pop up, and sometimes they'll they'll pull you away from from the main uh, the main quest. Um, but also, uh, it's a shared card type between player cards and uh, encounter cards. So, so some decks use side quests, and you okay. get like benefits similar to how um, Hella says. You know, she gets extra stuff for each side quest in the uh, in the victory display. Um, there's a lot of Lord of the Rings cards that say, if this is in the victory display, do this. Or, you know, like the number of side quests uh, in the victory mm-hmm. display, give this character plus one, um, etc. Yeah, these feel kind of like okay. the main quest in Lord of the Rings, right? Where you there you're trying to place progress from questing, and here you're trying to remove threat to get rid of them. This is kind of similar to Collector 2 yeah. from Galaxy's Most Wanted. Only it's not a race. Like you have you have Hella's main scheme and you have these side schemes you have to march through instead of just racing away from the museum. Yeah, the the main scheme actually kind of just feels like a like a, a game framework too. Like the the thing that you're really paying attention to is the side schemes and how they're playing out. But the main scheme is there basically to establish you know what you're doing. But beyond that, you know, with its high threshold and stuff, you're really going to be just focusing on the mechanics and the uh, the nice little visitors from um, what looks what looks like Jotunheim. I think so. Yeah, the high threshold, but that is very easily, um, <laughs> very easily met, <laughs> exceeded from some of some from some of those treachery cards. Uh, yeah, that is that is true. We played with galactic artifacts, so there were like seven side schemes that have victory on them. And I gotta say, Howell was scheming for like nine at one point, and we came very close. (laughs) Our team was always like, "Oh, there's 20 threat left. We can we can sneak out one more turn," and there was like 22 threat left. And I think she like got in advance, and she ended up scheming for like nine and nine in back to back activations. And we were like, (laughs) "Now there's four threat left. I don't feel as great." (laughs) But it was exciting. Did you did you guys have a Justice Miss Marvel? We did not. We killed Hella the next turn oh. and left all that threat there, like a good Marvel Champions player. That's right. Yes. That's right. Ignore those nacho things, whatever they are. I don't know what they are. I deal but, damage. That's what I do. But yeah, th- I mean, that's, like you said, Adagop, that's like the framework, but then these these side schemes are the checkpoints. You have to get through them to get to rescue Odin in order to defeat her. And it, it tells such a story that it's... It, it's it's a self-contained story within this scenario more so than any of the other scenarios that I've played in this game. 
if that makes sense. Like, disappointing part of this story is none of those side schemes Uh, have like flavor text on them to like guide us through a story actually happening. Wouldn't that have been cool? That's that's that (laughs) that would have been cool. That's true. But but because you you have this, you go through this natural progression where Garm is there at Nippahiller, right? Like, get it? Is that a cave or something? I don't even know the lore, right? But it's this guard dog, and you got to defeat it in order to get past this. And and it's still just using threat, right? You're removing threat, which doesn't seem very thematic for the side schemes as in these in this sense. But that's just the way that the game operates, the mechanics yeah. of the game, and so I'm fine with it. Um, but but then you got Scourge standing on the bridge of <laughs> however you say that, whatever that is. Gallerbrew, uh, right? Gallerbrew, yeah, yeah. Like like blocking your path. It's like okay, well, I got to take out this guy before I get past it because we are on this quest to go rescue Odin and take her out because she took Odin and. Anyway, it it's it, it evokes that for me, and that's what this game needs more of, in my opinion. I agree. I definitely agree. I think that this was super good. So I've seen people take two different ways to take down this scenario. Um, I've seen people that try to push through all the quests before they flip Hela, or if they can avoid flipping her. And I've seen people that try to constantly flip her and keep her on her wounded side until you defeat a side scheme so that she has her weak stats and doesn't have her stat bonus. What do you what do you all typically do? Do you defeat Hela and get her onto the wounded side and then start going through your checkpoints? Or do you start working on the checkpoints and let the mystic side sit around for a while? Uh, the... <laughs> Um, this will come as no surprise, but I am most interested in doing as much damage as possible. So beating up Hela and then solving the other problems is the way that I do it. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it really depends on the the characters, the the heroes that you have and their their strengths. So if you're focusing a lot on damage, you're going to want to try and flip her to the to the wounded side, so that you can then focus on. I mean, because she—if you're playing standard on on her wounded side, she's a zero zero, and without any, and and she doesn't get any bonuses, um, for any like if they're completed, if any of the side scheme or if there's anything in the victory display, it's only on her mystic side. Yep. So you're gonna want to take her out as quick as possible if you're focused on being a damage dealer, right? And and you yeah. have your maybe your weakness is threat removal. I don't know that you can win the scenario if you don't have any threat removal um, at all. You have to have something. I'm not saying you have to have a justice <laughs> player. Um, but you might. <laughs> like there's a lot of threat to, to take out in this in this um, scenario. Yeah. So I kinda think I think it just it really depends on on like Adderkoff said, if you're Team focusing Kopp. on dealing damage, yeah. Take flip her over to the to the wounded side and and then chip away at the the schemes, right? Um, yeah, that can make a really uh, long game, if right? If you flip her for each side scheme, you're burning through her health four times, but it definitely makes it a safer game when she's on her wounded side. Besides, how many short quests are there? You know, it's a quest, so, you know, it's a real journey. you gotta you got to go through all the phases. It's going to take a while, about. you know? 
Uh, I don't know, man. What I've come to now at this point um, is all her attachments can only get discarded by flipping her. Is that correct, right? None of them have discard hero actions. Yeah, they don't so, have a removal uh, yep. removal clause, yeah. The main scheme says when Hela would be defeated if Odin is attached to the scheme, discard each attachment from Hela and flip her. And that counts attachments from like other modular sets too, like under attack and stuff like that. So we let her get one to two attachments on her and then push her to flip her because you get this extra bonus, which is something I really like. I like when there's a mechanic that makes me want to hit the villain instead of deal with like the scatter that's on the board. And they have to give you incentive to do that. So they did it with Collector 2 in Galaxy's Most Wanted, and they do it really well here with Hela, giving you a bonus for attacking the villain early. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we'll go to the treacheries, if you guys are ready. Yeah. Cool. So she's got uh, she's got three, three treacheries that sort of echo her... Um, her uh, villain mechanic, and I almost said hero mechanic, but I guess it depends on which podcast you're a part of. Um, <laughs> uh, so Hela's domain, uh, when revealed, place one threat on the main scheme, place one additional threat on the main scheme for each side scheme in the victory display, uh, with a boost effect of if damage from this attack defeats an ally, place two threat on the main scheme. So either way, we're putting some threat down. Um... And uh, it scales with how far along you are on the quest. So the more stuff in the victory display, the more threat you're adding. Uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, we also have the Queen of Hell. Uh, when revealed, Alter Ego, she schemes. Place one threat on each side scheme. Um, or when revealed, Hero, she attacks you. Probably shocking. Uh, place one threat on each side scheme. There it is. So it makes it a little bit harder to get through the side schemes, which is like what Americana was saying, where, you know, if you aren't thwarting, it's going to be hard. And she also brings this one to make it even harder for you. And uh, the last treachery is the Wastes of Niflheim. Uh, when revealed, take one indirect damage. Take one additional indirect damage for each side scheme in the victory display. So basically the, the hurdy version of Hela's Domain. Uh, the boost effect is... Uh, this card gains boost icons equal to the number of side schemes in the victory display. So I really like this one. This one's my favorite of the three. Yeah, so the Waste of Niflheim and Hela's Domain, those mechanically, for me, uh, I guess thematically more, I think, Hela's Domain are an, are outstanding treacheries. Like, you f when you draw Hela's Domain, you feel like you you've gotten so far you have how many cards in the display right so you're you're getting closer and closer to where she is to her domain that it just it's that much more painful for you right yeah it, it painful in the in in that card with the um threat right the waste of niflheim i mean i guess it gets colder where you know like it's colder and colder the closer you get to her maybe that's thematic but um, mm -hmm. it, it, but mechanically, those cards are, I think, some of the best treacheries in the game, um, and it has to do with that, um, that display. What is it? The uh, the victory display, and we saw we saw a lot of victory display stuff 
I was just going to say, we saw a lot of victory display stuff in Galaxy's Most Wanted, but I don't know that we saw, like, we, we got a lot of them in the victory, but I think it had more to do with the the actual, like, campaign versus actual cards that interact with, that are built into the scenario, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah which, I agree. Which seems like a missed opportunity. Here, they didn't miss it. Here, they're they're taking that, and they're utilizing it. I mean, it's right on her card, right? Like, she gets a boost for every card in her victory display, she's, she's getting more powerful. She's getting more, she's getting bolder. And when you draw mm-hmm. Hela's domain, she's, you're getting closer and closer to her, like person, to her influence, to her sphere of inf- influence. So it's, it's more and more dangerous for you. I think it's brilliant actually. I think so. Too. Yeah. I like, uh, I like that waste of Niflheim is a, is a, you know, an, a dead direct damage dealing treachery um, that doesn't just like wash you out. Um, if you get it, you know, like a um, full auto comes to mind in the crossbones one. Um, you know, I've been absolutely traumatized by that, uh, where things are going good and then his attack is kind of high and you flip a bunch of boosts right away and you weren't ready for it and now you're dead. Um, this one, sc- <laughs> this one scales up and, uh, you know, when it's at its highest numbers, you should be pretty far along in the, in the quest. Right. And it still feels threatening. I feel like the, uh, there's a treachery like this in Absorbing Man, and usually you've controlled Absorbing Man so well or taken him down so fast that it it either isn't threatening or if it is threatening, things have gone horribly wrong. But here, you're constantly yeah. thinking at the end of the game... Is that the delay quick delay counters? Yeah, I think it does indirect damage yeah, for each delay counter now. Okay. I was thinking of yeah, uh, this one. Steel Kick. Steel Kick, too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I think these these treacheries go very very well with her entire scenario. Um, and overall, I will never as the game stands, I will never turn this scenario down. If someone says let's play Hella, ne- never will I say no. Hey, you want to go play? Yeah, <laughs> even, well, even new players. I think right now. Okay, let's right do it. Hang, hang it up. Let's I'm, go. I'm in. I'm in. Let's pause it. Episode's over, guys. It's and over. we're back. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, we could we could grade Hella, but I think we're all going to give her something very high. But I guess we should do it. What's your grade, Americano? You go first. Uh, this is an A plus scenario for me. It is my favorite scenario in Marvel Champions right now. My number one scenario. I I I don't know if I conveyed that enough during the episode, but or like <laughs> in cutting off Adderkop, but it is my favorite. Maybe there will be some that come out that do the same sort of thing with victory display and like checkpoints and telling a story. And it maybe does it better somehow, but for me, it's just, yeah, it's up. It's it is number one. I have it in the A category. I think it's in my top five favorite scenarios right now. Um, I can no longer say because it's new because this box has been out for what seems like half a year now, maybe not that long, but it's been out for a while. Uh, but still, I agree with you. If someone wanted to sit down and play a scenario. I probably wouldn't take a new player through Hella right away, but I'd definitely take them through in their first couple games just so they could experience 
how different but exciting the game can be from what the core set gave us. All right, Adder Um, For Hella, I would give her an F. That's not... An I F I... for, for Fehu, which is the first letter of the Norse alphabet, similar to our A. Oh my gosh. Yep. <laughs> yep, I went for it. I'm probably pronouncing that completely incorrectly, but uh, the joke occurred to me, and I'm committing to it. So I give her an an, an F or a fehu. Okay, there you go. <laughs> that's that's the joke. I'm committing to it. So, hey, it sounds great. It's high Thanks. praise from us. Then high praise from all of us. All right. Well, she is definitely a fehu. But we can now go on to the final villain. So, Americano. Yeah, let's go through Loki. So, um, so once you defeat Hela, you go and, if you're playing the, the campaign, you go in and take on Loki. So, Loki's whole thing is there's five forms, I think is what they call them. Uh, is that what they call them? Co- uh, maybe copies. I don't know. There's five of them. And they're they're there's the five variants we'll call them variants of loki there we go um, now yeah that's on brand <laughs> uh we have like a they all have 20 hit points uh 20 per player hit points um but like one of them is a two scheme two attack um and he can't take damage while a side scheme is, pl- is in play one's a two scheme one attack with retaliate one and one's a one scheme three attack with stalwart. One is a three scheme one attack with stalwart. One is a one scheme two attack with and the attack scheme piercing. So they're all, um, they all do something a little bit different, <clears throat> and they all um, go in the victory. They all have victory one on them, and the reason that matters is because when you set up, um, you set up the main scheme, which is called All Hail King Loki. What you do, uh, let me pull it up here, is um, you use the Loki deck and you choose um, X number of Lokis. Copy, like however many, and X equals the number that you need to defeat in order to win the scenario, right? So I think standard is two Lokis and expert is three and then... I don't know what they called it. Did they call it heroic in the in the rules for four? four. So four, I think, is four. Four is heroic. Um, <clears throat> and so, if you're it, you don't choose the two Lokis or the three Lokis or the four Lokis, you just choose the number. And then once you defeat it, it goes into the victory dis- one of the copies or one of the variants goes into the victory display, and then you're that much closer to winning the scenario. Um, also with Loki is the infinity gauntlet encounter set. Um, so if you, if you look at the cards, I think three of them, three of the Lokis have the, he's wearing the infinity gauntlet. Um, and a lot of his cards in the deck actually interact with, or his side schemes do interact with the infinity stone deck that comes when you, when you add the infinity gauntlet encounter set. 
Um, so, so all those stats that I read off are, are all going to have a plus one, plus one because of the infinity gauntlet that's going to be attached to him, right? Um, and then when, I guess I didn't also say all of those Loki variants, when he's, when it's defeated, you discard cards from the top of the encounter deck until a side scheme is discarded and then you reveal that side scheme. So it, it pushes it along. And the reason that matters is because, well, before I get to the side schemes, the main scheme is a 12 per player threat threshold um, that starts with one per player and goes up one per player. And it has a forced interrupt on it. When Loki is defeated, advance to a random set-aside Loki villain. So that's that's how it moves. So you defeat one of the Lokis. What's going to happen is you're going to get a random set-aside Loki villain and that Loki is going to go to the villain dis or the victory display, and then when it's defeated, you're going to discard cards from the, the top of the encounter deck until a side scheme is defeated. And he has... Is it four side schemes? Um, yeah, four side schemes. So you got Casket of Ancient Winters, um, which has a hinder one per player, and four starting threat um, with a... What's that one called again? That icon? I never remember. Um, oh, uh, Amplify? Amplify icon, yeah. So when defeated, reveal the top card of the Infinity Stone deck. Swap Loki with a random set-aside Loki villain. So he swaps out. He does his... Oh, tricked you. I'm a different Loki. Um, you got War in Asgard, which is a hinder one per player. It starts with six threat um, in play. And then when that one's defeated, reveal the top card of the Infinity Stone deck. And then all of them do that. That one has um, an acceleration icon. Madness in Midgard has a crisis icon. And Open the Bifrost has a... Um, well, I don't remember. The, you get drawn extra... The first player draws an extra encounter card. Hazard, hazard. Hazard, yep. So... Um, so there... These are the... These are what drive. How to the main scheme and the the variant Loki's are very connected to these four side schemes, um, because once you defeat a villain, one of the one of the variants, you're gonna get one of these side schemes, or maybe um, a different one if you have other like a other side schemes in the deck that you've that you've shuffled in. But um, these side schemes are really going to swap them out. And it's going to throw you off. Because I don't think... Um, I don't think that he gets the hit points back, right? When he swaps no, out? No, he, he doesn't. But I think he keeps all his attachments and stuff, right? Keeps his attachments. Okay. And that's how I played it. Um, but you might be going for... Um, you know, like... One of these Lokis, you're like planning on the, the two scheme one attack Loki and you're planning on taking the hit or something like that but then you get um, I don't know the one scheme three attack Loki with stalwart and you were gonna stun him or confuse him and now that's removed and now he's gonna attack your one of your other heroes for a huge amount of damage which is what you weren't prepared for um so you have to, you have to play around that, um, 
or you have to at least be aware of that, that, that if you trigger one of these side schemes, and it doesn't have to happen from defeating the, the Loki, it, it would happen from any of those side schemes being revealed, um, you're going to get a different Loki, and you just got to know that that could be a problem. It will probably be a problem for you, and that's in true Loki <laughs> fashion, right? Yeah, not to mention the uh, um, the, the gems. Like on anything on those else. on those side schemes, I went through them pretty quickly, but they all do pretty. I mean, they all do the same thing. They just have different uh, icons on them. No, I, th okay. I think you hit it pretty well. All right. Um, he has some attachments. He's got his staff, which adds one to his attack. And he has a hero response. So after you make a basic attack against Loki, you spend a, uh, an energy and a physical resource, and then you discard the card. So you have to go after him to take his staff away. Um, and similarly with Loki's crown, it gives plus one scheme. And the hero's response is after you make a basic attack against Loki, spend a mental and a physical resource, and then discard the card. Um, those two... Uh, clearing I, wh what did you call it before outer cop the clauses to defeat it or something like that to remove it something like that yeah the, I, I don't oh, what uh, terminology the, you used i don't know if it's the actual terminology but i liked it um i like uh, clause, these. yeah i like that you have to actually make a basic attack against him and then spend the resources instead of just spending a wild resource or exhausting your character you're actually have to go after him right yeah similar to thanos Um, let's see. The next one is Loki's cape. So this one has a um, force response. This one, all it, what it does is after Loki is after Loki is swapped with a set aside Loki villain, give him a tough status card. So that's where what you were saying, Kennedy Hawk, is he keeps his attachments right. Yep. He has to be able to keep his attachments, otherwise this this Loki's cape wouldn't have an effect. Do anything? Right? Yeah, um, exactly. It wouldn't do anything. And this one, I guess this one has the same type of clause where you have to make a basic attack against him and then spend a energy and, and mental resource to discard it. Yep. Anyway, so these, I think these attachments, um, these item armor, let's see, weapon, these attachments are really fun um, because it makes you go after him. Let's see. He's got a condition attachment, Master of Illusions. Let's see. And when he would take damage from an attack, discard the top card of the encounter deck. If that card is a treachery, prevent all damage from this attack and discard this card. So it, that reminds me a lot of um, the Loki that we have from Thor's Nemesis, right? Yeah, I, I feel like they yeah. adapted him really well there. When he's defeated... What's that? Yeah, I was agreeing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that one is that when he's defeated, right, then you'd flip the top card. And if it's a treachery, same thing. If it's a treachery, he, he's not defeated. Or he, however they say it, prevent he, all the damage. He's not only right? not defeated, he's healed back to full health. Full health, right. He's got some treacheries in his deck. Let's see, one, two. He's got three treacheries, right? Um, 
and he's got the so one of them devious sorcery is the alter when revealed alter ego you're stunned if you're already stunned you place two threat on the main scheme and when revealed hero you are stunned if you are already stunned take two damage so this type of <clears throat> um this type of effect on cards where you are stunned but if you were already stunned do something else that type of effect i love that type of of effect in a card game like this, really, where the card the card doesn't just fizzle, right? Maybe, and we've talked with, I think Crimson's talked a lot about like, um, you are stunned. If you are already stunned, for example, you, if you are already stunned, this card gains, um, gains surge, like that type surge. of thing, would make a lot of sense. This one, I still, I, not that I think it's the best card in the game, but I like that they have that. That it doesn't just do nothing, right? Because it's Loki. It shouldn't just do nothing. As as an aside, Devious Sorcery is the name of my first album. Nice. Is it? Yeah. Is Whenever this the cover art. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> it will be the cover art then. Yeah. It will one hundred percent be the cover art. Except it'll be it'll be me fighting a bunch of me's. Perfect. Yeah, in a high saturation black and white, no color. It's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be pretty good. So look forward to it. Devious sorcery, uh, twenty twenty five. Okay, you heard it first. You heard it here first. Here. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Um, yeah. So the last two treacheries. Um, one is infinite mischief. When revealed, shuffle the infinity stone deck discard pile into the infinity stone deck and reveal the the top card. Um, so it just resets it quicker. Um, when, and if you're playing around that infinity stone deck, um, you kind of have an idea of what's in the, in the disc, you do have an idea of what's in the discard pile so you can prepare for the other ones, but this one just, it's just, it just messes with you even more, right? It shuffles it. It's not, it's not horrible. Uh, You have to reveal the top card, um, but that's okay. I mean, it just puts those other ones back in the deck, which may or may not be, I mean, it's usually bad, but, <laughs> yeah. um, and then the last one is trickster. When re- when revealed swap Loki with a random set aside Loki villain, and then Loki activates against you, which is the worst part, right? Is that yeah. he gets another activation against you, which also triggers the infinity stone that's on top of the deck. And if, yeah, so it just cascades from there. So, I mean, there, there you go. They did a. I think they did a pretty good job at at making him feel um, tricksy, like where he's swapping in and out and he's shuffling cards back in the deck and that type of thing. Um, but what do you guys? What are your thoughts on it? I really like it. I think Loki's probably still in my top top tier of scenarios. I think he's really fun. I thought it was a bit disappointing that he really fell into this Infinity Gauntlet mechanic again. I loved the Infinity Gauntlet, and I love that you can mix it with any hero or any villain in true, like, what-if fashion. Um, but having it come right after, well, I get you get, you know, the, the plateau that is Hela in the middle, and then you come back and it feels almost just like Thanos again, which is a bit of a disappointment. Um, being, like, a repeat of Thanos is a little unfortunate. 
that being said, I think I really like the change. I like the changing of forms. I wish the forms were a little more different. You you mentioned that the form that's going to swap in is always going to mess you up. In our group's experience, it's always been the opposite. Sometimes the form actually helps you by which one <laughs> swaps in, which is a bit of a bummer. Um, I wish they, the the alternate forms of Kang, to me, felt more diverse. I'm sure looking back at it, they were probably almost identical. But <laughs> back then, they felt very much yeah, more but, diverse to me than these do. But Kang's a really different character. I mean, all the different iterations it's of Kang. True. Like, like, Loki is ultimately always the same guy. So I get that. But I, I understand what you're saying, like, mechanically speaking. But, but thematically, um, you know, he, he can change his plans a little bit, but ultimately, Loki is going to be Loki. And there's been, uh, there's been stories that really, like, support that. And, uh, you know, uh, I think Blood Brothers, like, that's, like, the main, the main series. It's like, yeah, Loki's always, always Loki. Even if he tries to change, even if he tries to do something different, he's always Loki. So that may not have been an intentional design, but I really like it. Okay. Well, I feel better about it then. Um... <laughs> the only other thing I disliked is that higher difficulty levels, it doesn't really get more difficult. Normally when you're progressing through a villain, right, their stats increase or they get some cooler ability as the game goes on. Sure. But here, like, the worst thing about Loki is once you defeat that first Loki, you're probably set up as a team. So if you're playing heroic or if you're playing expert, you've got to burn through 160 more health points where you're just making the motions, and that's no fun. It just it's a it's a bummer at the end of the campaign to have something like that. Well, well, especially because they could have done something to ramp it up with the victory display. The cards could have done that just like they did with Hela, right? Because you're putting that defeated Loki in the victory display. And so you have this built-in thing to actually make it more difficult if you're playing on Heroic. Yeah. Yeah, that's Instead true. of just making it longer, it could have actually been more difficult, if that makes sense. Like, it's it's like this. It's just like grinder, you played... Yeah. You're like, you know what? I usually play Expert, but I'm probably just going to play this one on Standard. Right? Just two of them. Because at that point, it's... I think... From a second to a third, well, from the first to the second, there's that there's that difficulty jump because you have to build your board state and all that kind of stuff. But I think from second to third, there's not that much of a, a difficulty jump because he's got 20 hit points per player. That's not insignificant, right? No. Um, and so you you are probably going to have, I mean, depending on the build that you've that you've put together for your hero, you're probably going to have a pretty good board state, hopefully by the time the first one's defeated. Um, it, so my preference isn't, it is to just play two, two Lokis um, or two, whatever they call it, two victory Lokis, whatever they call two it, variants. two variants. Um, but, but my biggest, that's not even my biggest disappointment with this one. My biggest disappointment is what you first said, Kennedy Hawk, is that, they baked into this scenario the Infinity Gauntlet. Maybe we'll get another Loki down the line without that. I doubt it because there are so many, there's so much material to cover that people will probably be like, why are you doing another Loki? <clears throat> but like, why did that have to be built into it when they could have easily had these side schemes have been a part of like these side schemes that that specifically when defeated reveal the top card of the infinity stone deck, those could have been part of the campaign 
Um, so he gets the Infinity Stone and the Infinity Gauntlet for the campaign, but not for the standalone Loki. I, I, I just I'm wondering about that. That that to me, um, because because if you read through the campaign, spoilers, um, that's what you're trying to do is he he steals it right and he's and he's got it. Well, that's great. That's just for the campaign though. Like, what if I want to play standalone Loki? He doesn't he doesn't need the Infinity Gauntlet? But he actually does now because it's built into it. That's my biggest. I still, I still like it. I still think it's pretty fun. Um, I actually just played Rhino with the Infinity Gauntlet because I like that you can throw it on anyone. But I don't like that I have to put it in with him. If that makes sense. Right. What, what, do, you, what do you think about this? Um, what if any text that said anything about the Infinity Gauntlet deck said, you know, do this with the Infinity Gauntlet deck? Uh, if that is not available. Reveal an additional encounter card. Yeah, maybe maybe that solves it. I think it's a reasonable way to play it. I think if you don't want to um, include the Infinity Gauntlet in your in your playthrough, um, just treat it as saying reveal an additional encounter card. Nice little house rule there. Yeah. <clears throat> maybe I'm just being too whiny. Maybe that'll work. No, no, I, I think that I think that your complaint is 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 reasonable. I don't want to I don't want you to feel like uh, I'm saying like shut up about it because it's it's a pretty valid complaint. Like this this really locks um, a really iconic villain into the Infinity Gauntlet set, which you may not want to play with. Um, yeah, well, especially kind of especially like what Dan said, like what Kennedy Hawk said, that Thanos is already in the box, and Thanos's thing is the Infinity Gauntlet, and right. And cutting it and cutting your deck in half, right? It it just yeah. makes sense for people that whether you whether let's say that your your only experience with Marvel is the movies that that makes a ton of sense to people, right? Yeah. Um, but it also makes sense for people that have read the comics. I mean, yeah, I, no, I, yeah, I really Loki, like that it. makes sense too. But 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 you're right. There's like so Loki is so much more than that. Yeah. So. And and I th- to be fair, I think they do um, a fine job at making him feel like a trickster. Um, and I think that the the variants do that. Um, but yeah, that was it. I I still think it's a it's a pretty good scenario. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> They should have called it Gauntlet Quest. Gauntlet Quest. So, I think if we're going to give it a grade, I think I probably give it a B plus um, because I'm still just so bugged by that. Um, but I still think it's. I mean, it's so in, ingrained in the in the. Uh, in his treachery, some of his treacheries, but like, I think that my favorite part of his deck is the, like the attachments and the switching forms. I I think that's, that really feels like Loki to me. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. I give him an A minus. I, I like the attachments. I like that he fishes outside schemes. I think that's really fun and very thematic for Loki. We get another character that, mingles with side scheme cards so i i like loki i am not a big fan of the infinity gauntlet like you mentioned but for the most part i think he's well designed i think he's fun to play against 
Batter Cop. Yep. I uh I like Loki a lot too. Um mechanically, I think that it's in the right spot. Uh I like the variance mechanic. Like you said before, I like the side scheme mechanic. It's all very accurate. Um I think that it just kinda like something something's missing and, and I think it's uh ironically the inclusion of the in- Infinity Gauntlet deck. You know, I think that Loki's the kind of deck or the kind of uh, villain Ooh. that can stand on his own. And I would have liked a little bit more of that. Um, but besides that, I think that everything else is really good. Um, I think it's a fun scenario. And, um, you know, I, I it might not be the first one that I reach for, like just for like a casual pickup game, but it it's fun uh, to play with other people because you get the reactions along with them uh, as as things change. And I think I think the social element is something to consider. So yeah, I give it like a I, I'd give it like a B two. So so for me in the box, obviously Hella is my favorite, and then I would say probably Thanos, and then this one. Um. So. Yeah, I think I'd I, I actually Thanos like an A minus. So I'd put an A plus for Hella, A minus for Thanos, and then this one is a B plus. So three, three of my favorite, two for sure, two of my favorite scenarios, um, in the game come from this box. That's big praise. That's really big praise. I think. So speaking of wrapping up the box, now's our chance to give our final thoughts on the MTS box. So we'll each give our final thoughts on the box, and then. Say, if we were to pick one box to rule them all, there's three boxes out there, which one are you going to pick? So, Addercop, you can go first. Um, man, it's it's still going to be Rise of the Red Skull, um, but this one's very, very close behind it. Uh, pardon me. It's got good player cards. It's got um, interesting villains, uh, stuff I care about, too, like topically, um, but... I still think that I would go for Rise of the Red Skull first. You're saying like as a whole, as a product, right? With the with the heroes aspect cards and villains? Is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, all together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, mine is Sinister Motives. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so... If I'm going to choose one of the three boxes, I think um, it's this one. I think it's the Mad Titan Shadow, and f- and it goes back to for me, it has those scenarios in in it that I I think change it un- up enough and do, do things that I want to see it want to see this system do that just make it. I think this is a great game. I think there are flop scenarios and there are really good scenarios and Hella is what is the great scenario for me that shows what this what they can what they can do um, to make me super excited about playing a scenario in a box and and so for me that that alone's worth it so cool yeah my closing thoughts um I really like the last three villains in this box. You would rank them Hela, Thanos, Loki. I think I'd rank them Thanos, Hela, Loki, but very similar. 
Um, I was pretty down on the first two scenarios in this box, and I still am a month later after we recording. I've still had negative play experiences with them that just make them not the, the scenarios that I'm going to set up when I set them up. And we've had those in every box, so I can't really count that against this box. Um, but looking down the ticket, um, Kuros, I'm obviously slanted towards Rise of Red Skull. Um, Scenario-wise, I think that there are... I really like the scenarios from Rise of Red Skull. I think Taskmaster is super enjoyable. I think Zola is super enjoyable. I think Red Skull Standalone is still one of the most fun, entertaining setups you can do. It feels sort of like Hella, but with randomized schemes instead of always the same scheme, and it's leaving schemes out that buffs him up instead of putting them into the victory display. So they feel very parallel to me. Um, so I give the scenarios to Red Skull, but mods, we didn't talk a lot about mods in these three episodes. The modular sets in Mad Titan Shadow make it really, really close for me. But at the end of the day, my recommendation, or my favorite box, is still Rise of Red Skull. Not Galaxy's Most Wanted? After all the pra- <laughs> Just kidding. It, I, I talked a lot about that. I mentioned Collector 2 twice <laughs> in this did. episode yeah, in positive directions. Don't start that. You did. No. <laughs> no, I I told you guys I was going to be more upbeat this year. So, uh I won't talk about I won't talk about that. No, that's 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 great. Um I, overall I'm very I'm very pleased with this box. Um definitely worth it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the answer to the real question is if you own the core set and you're looking to buy a box, you're not going to go wrong with Rise of Red Skull or Mad Titan Shadow. Both of them are going to make you really mm-hmm. happy. Um, so pick up one of those two boxes, add it to your core set collection. It's going to be a blast. Yep, absolutely. And that's a wrap for our first episode of 2022 slash last episode of 2021. <laughs> wow, at the same yes. time. Yeah. Midnight struck right then. Totally. <laughs> 